And so I welcome you. All of you here in Durban, they're in Belito, they're in Peter Maritzburg, those that are watching on Faith TV, those that are watching on YouTube this morning, a great big welcome to CRC Durban, the place to be this morning. And I really pray that you don't look to a man, but you really open your hearts to God this morning. If you are a first time visitor, a great big welcome to you as well in Jesus' name. Well, in this beautiful Durban heat, you may be seated this morning. I am perspiring uh, under these lights. It's warm up here. Um, praise God. Okay, I'm on my second week of a series we're calling Occupy because God has called us to occupy and do business till He comes. And I want to make a statement to you as I start. The world is changing constantly and the gospel will never change. The gospel is good news and we have to preach it boldly. The people of God, those that call themselves Christians, have the ability and the, the, the power inside of them because Christ lives on the inside of them to change history, to change our world forever. But in order to do that, we as Christians must never allow what is happening in the world around us to distract us from God's presence, to distract us from God's promises, and to hinder us from fulfilling God's purpose. And I'm going to say it because there is so much happening in this world that we are living in. So much distraction. So much chaos that we can lose sight of God in the chaos. We can lose sight of God in the distraction. We can become overwhelmed by our circumstances and the noises out there that are shouting at us every single day. I mean, I was woken up this morning at 4.30 a.m. by some music and some guy shouting, and I thought, what the heck is it? Is it 1 o'clock in the morning? No, it was 4.30 a.m. And it's a group of runners that are having a marathon in the neighborhood that I live in. And they find it fine just to play music and wake people up at 4.30 a.m. And nobody complains. But the church is silent in the chaos that is happening around us. And yet the church should be the one standing up. The church should be the one reaching out. The church should be the one solving the problems because we have the answer. It's okay. You only got woken up at 4.30. Okay, but it's a Sunday morning. The roads are closed. People are running. Why? Because they don't care about God. They don't care about the lost. There's chaos in this world. Friday night, a well-known artist got shot and murdered in Florida Road where all the nightlife of Durban happens and everybody's writing and it's a, it's a tragedy that he got murdered. Terrible. When I want to say broad daylight, but I mean it was, it was in front of cameras, everything. And, and people right there, rest in peace. Whenever somebody passes away, they're right there, rest in peace. And I'm a, I don't know anything about his, his walk with God and, and, and things like that. But, but I do know that there's no rest if we don't get into heaven when we die. I do know that we have a mission on earth and that is to win the lost 
and to reach out to the unsaved. And in order for us to do that, we need to trust God to cause a revival in our own hearts first. That God would revive the church. That we would become like the church in the book of Acts when the church was birthed and we would be on fire for God and sold out to God and desperate for God and obedient to God and full with the Holy Ghost. We need to become the church of Jesus Christ that is concerned with every lost person, that is concerned with every hurting person, that is concerned with the injustice in the world around us. Not just part of the hashtag. Not just part of the crowd. Because it's in the chaos that God is present. It's in the chaos that God brings opportunity. It's in the chaos that we we are discipled by God and we, we get to know God. It's in the chaos where we can be desperate and ask God to breathe on our lives again and the odds automatically change. It's in the chaos we find out who we are and whose we are. It's in the chaos that we find out what we believe. And God has already given us dominion. He gave dominion to Adam and we have more than what Adam's got because we don't just have God with us. We have God living on the inside of us. Listen, family, we have to get serious about God and His church. We have to get serious about our Father's business. Because the moment you got saved, you automatically got engrafted into our Father's business. You automatically got grafted into our family business. Often when I travel, people want to know what I do for a living. And if I'm in a, in a friendly mood and I'm sitting on the airplane, I always have a little game with them and I, and I say, have a guess. And they, they always try and work it out. And I, I receive some great compliments. I've received one or two insults as well. The worst was when the one guy told me I was a wrestler. I thought, that's that's that's, that's an insult. But when they can't guess what I do, I say, I'll give you a clue. I say, I work in my father's business. And what does your dad do? I said, well, he's the, the biggest property owner in the world. And they look at me and they go, really? Now they're thinking money, money, money. They're thinking they're going to get something from me because I work. Uh, who's your father? I said, oh, you won't be able to guess. Then they start with different names of well-known people that are property owners in, in, in South Africa. And then they try to go bigger and bigger and deep down I'm going, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. But I tell them, I'm in my father's business. My father is God. Listen, every Christian is working in their father's business. Every Christian should be working in their father's business. The moment you are born again, you enroll into the family business. You are part of our kingdom. You are part of God's kingdom. In Matthew chapter 16, a few scriptures this morning, and then we're going to worship again. In Matthew 16 verse 13, the Bible says, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I the son of man am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And he said to him, but who do you say that I am? Who is Jesus really to you? A nice guy? A behavioral, behavior specialist? In other words, when you call him Lord, you've got to start behaving better. Huh? Huh? That person doesn't look Christian to me. 
Well, if you, if you hung with Jesus and the people he hung with, they didn't look much Christian either. You see, Jesus didn't hang with those that looked like they needed him. I mean, that looked like they were all perfect. He hung with sinners. And Jesus didn't change when he hung with sinners. They changed. He didn't. We have got to get our hands dirty in this world. And when you find out who Jesus is, you will realize he loves the hurting and he loves the broken and he loves the lost. Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered, I want you to hear this, and said to him, blessed, empowered to prosper, to succeed, are you Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. You see, once you, he knocks on your heart and you surrender your life to him, you get a revelation of who Jesus is. You can't explain it. You can't try and work it out. It's an encounter that transforms you. And Jesus says to Simon Peter, listen, flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. The moment you take that faith step to open up your heart to Him, God reveals Himself to you. He doesn't reveal religion. He doesn't reveal a set of rules. You encounter His love. But my Father who is in heaven, and I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church. What is he going to build? My church. What's he going to build? My church. What's he going to build? My church. What's he going to build? The church. Whose church is it? His church. And the gates of Hades, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So what is God building? The church. Where's the greatest place of safety? The church. And I will give you the authority. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So the moment you are born again, you join and you enlist into the Father's business. And as you set your relationship with God in order, you have to prioritize what God prioritizes. I recently saw somebody now reposting saying, great, rugby season is coming and, 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 and junior rugby at such and such a club is starting on Sunday, 8.30 a.m. We're so excited. I wasn't that excited because it came from a Christian. How can we get more excited about our kids going to play rugby than we can about serving God. I mean, I don't need to go to church to serve God. My brother, go and read your Bible, please. Go and read your Bible. My sister, go and read your Bible. Church is part of being a believer. You're not saved because you go to church, but I don't know how you stay saved without the church. It's like saying, you don't have to read your Bible to become a Christian. No, you get born again by confessing with your mouth and believing your heart upon the Lord Jesus Christ. But I don't know how you stay saved when you don't read the Bible because you don't know the will of God. You don't, you don't become a Christian because you pray. But prayer is something that Christians do. 
And we've got to get rid of this mindset that, that church is an inconvenience. And if, 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 if it's okay and the weather's nice and, 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 and it's not beach weather and it's not too rainy and, and, and there's no sport and there's no this and there's no that, then I'll, I might pop into the church and, and the pastor can feel good about me being there. Now the Bible says when every part does its share, it causes the growth of the body of Christ. When every part, we need you in church every Sunday. We need you to bring your lost world to church every Sunday. We need you to witness to your world every church every Sunday. Why? Why? Because people are going to hell without Jesus. And your example matters. And your example to your kids matter. And how you serve God matters. He said, I'm building my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The church is the only institution that Jesus promised to build. And we need to adjust our priorities accordingly. This last week, last Sunday night, they had the Grammy Awards in America. And one of the items that was sung at the Grammy Awards was a song called Unholy. And it depicted satanic worship. And the people were dressed up like devils. And maybe they've got it wrong, but they had their red suits on and their little horns growing out their heads and doing all these funny little signs and and, and things like that. And, And obviously the religious people got on the bandwagon again. And maybe you're sitting here this morning, you're saying, Pastor, but really it doesn't affect us. No, it does. Because everything Hollywood pushes out affects us. Because everything Hollywood pushes out is, is imprinting something on our, in our minds and imprinting something on our hearts. And, and all the time it's pushing the boundary a little bit and pushing the boundary a little bit. And your kids are watching and your kids are going to school and they're learning about it and they're hearing about it. And other kids are bragging about it. It's not okay. It's not okay for us as Christians just to sit back and think it's okay. That it won't impact us. It's slowly eroding our view of God and it's slowly eroding for generations to come. In actual fact, it's not slow anymore. This last week, a huge church group in England are debating and started a debate on what is God's gender. They're talking about, should they remove the word, our Father? It's not okay. It's not okay. But as, we, as long as we as the church don't stand together, as long as we as the church are disconnected, as long as we as the church have, are opinionated, as long as we don't prioritize God's church, We have to make a stand. We have to say, till here and no further. We have to get to the place that we love what God loves and we build what God is building. And we stand for the truth of God's word in a confused world. And we love all people, sinners and saints, but we're not going to compromise the word of God. Maybe this is not the message you wanted to hear. It's going to get better. But I want to confront you with something to challenge you. 
Because if, if, if what's dominating us now, if we tolerate what is dominating us now, what's going to happen to the future of our children? What's going to happen to the future of our children's children? What you tolerate today will dominate you tomorrow. And the enemy always comes with a a strategy of shocking you, and then he steps back. And then he shocks you again, but not as bad as that previous time, but he's moved his agenda a little bit forward. Then he shocks you again, moves back. And that's how he's taking territory. When are we going to stand? for what people called old-fashioned values? When are we going to stand for the truth of God's Word? When are we going to be those parents that don't accept the garbage that has been thrown down our children's throats at school and at university? When are we going to teach them the truth of God's Word and not to compromise? When are we going to teach them to love people despite their sin, but to not be involved with them? Do not join them. I'll say it again. When Jesus hung out with sinners, they changed. He didn't. It's our time to be the salt and the light in this world. In Matthew 5 verse 13, the message translation, the Bible says, let me tell you why you are here. You're here to be salt seasoning. That brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. There are salters and non-salters. What do you mean, pastor? Well, I'm a salter. Whenever I eat food, no matter what the food is, I always sprinkle salt in it. I'm a salter. Why? Because salt brings out the flavor. But you haven't even tasted the food. I don't care. I'm putting salt on it. Salt's not good for you. Ah, please, 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 please. In the right amount, it's fine. Then there are the non-salters. They never put salt on anything. God's called you to be the salt. He's called you to bring out the God flavors in this world. And if you've lost your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You are here to be the light Bringing out the God colors in the world. I was thinking about this because I'm wrestling with a lot of things in my mind because of the chaos that is going on in the world. And I I went to go and buy a key for my front door yesterday and I was walking through a shopping center and I thought, you know, I'm so frustrated, Lord. And I'm wrestling with God in my mind and I'm praying and I'm talking to Him while I'm going to buy a key. And this thing dawned on me. Just be nice. You're wrestling, but be nice to people. Just be friendly. And I walked to the shopping center to the shop and I was friendly and I walked back to my car and I was friendly and I just thought to myself, that's how we've got to live. Yes, it's urgent. Yes, it's desperate times. But, but the, it's the goodness of God that leads man to repentance. And part of being the salt is to bring the godly influence and part of being the light is to shine the light of God in every dark situation. I mean, when this tragedy happened on Friday night, it's amazing how the keyboard warriors start writing negative things on social media about a person. 
and there's a family mourning and there's a family hurting and there's unanswered questions. It's time for us to bring light into darkness, not to add fuel to the fire. You're here to bring light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. Yes, it's a personal encounter, but then you've got to go public. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. In other words, when God gives you influence, when God gives you a platform, shine. I was thinking about the Grammys a lot this week because there were Christian artists there. Now, I don't know if the Christian artists got their prize before the terrible song or after. But either way, God gave them a platform. And I'm telling you now, me, if I was called, you see, they have security at the Grammys as well illustrated sermon but I was called up onto the platform to receive my award for the greatest Christian music and they just had an unholy dance like that I would take the award and say listen I appreciate this award but today I do not accept it because I do not want to be part of something that is worshiping something that is contrary to what I believe in. I'm going to be radical. I'm going to stand for God. I'm going to tell people that God loves them in spite of their sin. And God loves them in spite of their unholy song. And God loves them. But I'm not going to accept what the world wants to give me because I want to live for the audience of one. I want to make my platform some place where God receives all the honor. Not just in word. But it's too quiet. It's too quiet because we enjoy the accolades of man. And we can bring it back to our own lives. How many Christians in our church work on Sunday mornings? Young people that get a job and they have to work in call centers. And have to work in shopping centers like Gateway. Whenever I go through there, there are people that greet me. Hi, pastor. Hi, pastor. Hi, pastor. And I say, hey, it's nice to see you. Come, meet, come greet me on a Sunday. And they say, pastor, we can't come anymore because we work on a Sunday. I say, trust God for another job. Or tell your boss, but between 8.30 and, and 10 o'clock, I'm going to church. Or I'm knocking off early at 5 o'clock so I can go to church at 6 o'clock. I understand the world is different, but I'm saying we should be different in this world. Imagine if at the Grammys they mocked Allah. Or Hare Krishna. Or Buddha. Yet we serve a living God. And we've gone silent. God says, I'm putting you on a hilltop. I'm giving you a place of prominence. You're a leader in your family. You're a leader in that school. 
I'm raising you up to be a leader in a society. I'm raising you up to be a leader in a community. I'm giving you the responsibility. You've got to shine your light in this dark world. You've got to bring the God flavors back into this world. You've got to show your light, shine your light. I put you there on a hilltop on a light stand. Shine! Then he says something, keep open house. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. Because by opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Let your light, verse 16, so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. New King James Version. We are here to be the salt and the light. We are here to build God's church, to advance His kingdom. We are here to do business till He comes. In Luke chapter 19, I'm going to read from 9 to 13 and 26 to 27. I'm nearly done. And Jesus said to him, there's a reason why I've gone from verse 9 and I didn't start the parable in verse 11. Because verse 11 follows on from verse 9 and 10. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. Verse 10, for the son of man has come. The purpose of Jesus, the son of man, was to seek and save that which was lost. For the son of man has come to seek and save that which is lost. Now as they heard these things, he, what things did they hear? The purpose of Jesus. The purpose of Jesus. The purpose of Jesus. It's the same when he called his disciples who were fishermen. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Purpose. I'm going to give purpose to your business. I'm going to give purpose to your family. I'm going to bring purpose to your life. He says, the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. Now as they heard these things, he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem and because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. Therefore he said to them, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. So he called ten of his servants and delivered to them ten miners and said to them, watch this, do business till I come. We are part of a family business. And whether our means to serve in the family business is as an accountant, a doctor, a psychologist, a business person, whatever it is, a sports person, we are to use the talent God has given us to further God's kingdom business. As a parent, I'm a steward of the children God's blessed me with. Do business till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we will not have this man reign over us. And so it was that when he returned, verse 15, having received the kingdom, he then commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. And we know the story, the first comes and then the second comes and he says, great, have more authority because you were faithful and little, blah, 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 blah. I want to get to verse 26. 24. The one that didn't use what God gave him, he says this. And he said to those who stood by, take the miner from him and give it to him who has 10 miners. But they said to him, master, he has 10 miners. Verse 26, for I say to you that to everyone who has will be given. 
And from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. But bring here those enemies of mine who do not want me to reign over them and slay them before me. God is calling us to be the salt and the light. God is causing, calling us to do business till He comes, to occupy and conquer till He comes. John Wesley said this, you have one business on earth to save souls. And family, everything we do should be directed towards that goal. In a world that is becoming more confused every single day, our kingdom responsibility is becoming increasingly more important every day. We are to be the salt to bring out the God flavors in the earth, to preserve the God flavors in the earth. We are to be the light to shine bright in darkness and confusion. That God wants to place us in visible spaces, in high places to influence this world. I'll read verse 16 of message, Matthew 5 in the message. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house, be generous with your lives by opening up to others. You'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. We're not here to condemn those that are in this world. We're here to love them. And by loving, we stand. Jesus hung with sinners. They changed. He didn't. He didn't condemn them. He didn't judge them on their outward appearance. He loved on them. He showed mercy towards them. He treated them better than they deserved, but He never changed. And God is calling us to be like that in Durban, in Belito, in KZN, in Peter Maritzburg, in South Africa. We've got to become a nation that is fully sold out to God. A nation that is fully surrendered to God. I'm going to say it again, but what we do in this hour matters. God predestined you and I to be alive in this hour. And in a season of great confusion, a season of great need, God needs people of great faith, great conviction, great vision, great purpose, great commitment. I was reading yesterday the first great awakening that transpired in America. 15% of the population came to Jesus. I want to challenge you this morning to pray a prayer and say, God, search my heart. And remove those things that are quenching the flow of your spirit in my life. I want you to pray a prayer of God break through our church with your spirit. A prayer that says send revival to our church, to my school, to my workplace. A mighty awakening to the lost. 
Lord, manifest your presence so that millions can be brought to Christ. You see what I'm realizing? Revival in the church will cause awakening in our city. I want the worship team to come up quietly. The worship team. Just start singing Jesus. That part there. I want us to have a moment with God. Quietly. Quietly. We can stand, sit, kneel, wherever you want to be. But just have a moment. Just a moment. Maybe it's the first time you've come to our church this morning and you feel a bit uncomfortable. That's fine. I want nobody to feel condemned. Nobody feel anything else but God's presence, His love, surrender. Gentle. You can stand and worship. Maybe at this time you realize you're not right with God. You've never surrendered your heart to Jesus. Or you have, but you've wandered away. And you need to come make right with God. Then I'm going to say, come to the front. Come and give yourself back to God at the altar. That's what we call the front. The altar. But have a moment with God. Come on. Whoever you are, wherever you are. You can stand. You can sit. But God wants to work in you so He can work through you. He doesn't want you to be ashamed of Him. Come on, He loves you. He's calling you. And how you respond matters for your family. How you respond matters for your children. How you respond matters to this generation. God wants to raise people up. But it starts with them dying to Him first. We no longer live for ourselves. We live for Him. We live with the faith in God to serve the people of God in our generation. Come on, let's worship Him.
closed, nobody looking around. You've come here this morning, here in Durban, Belito, Peter Maritzburg, and your life is not right with God. You've never surrendered your heart to Jesus. Or maybe you have, but you've realized you've wandered away from Him. And although trying to serve Him in this world, you've allowed this world to distract you, confuse you. And as I'm talking this morning, there's a stirring in your heart and you realize you have to give yourself back to God. I want to remind you God loves you. And He cares about you. But He will not force Himself upon you. While every head is bowed, every eye closed, nobody moving around, please. That's you this morning. You've never given your heart to Him. You have, but you've wandered away and you want to come back to Him this morning. Quickly, slip up your hand and say, yes, you're talking to me this morning. Quickly, pray for me, please. Include me in this prayer. Quickly. Come on. God speak to me. Bless you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Quickly, slip up your hand and say, yes. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Thank you. Anybody else? Please. Anybody else? Quickly, in this moment. God's presence is all over this place. There in Belito. Peter Meritzburg, quickly. He loves you. He'll knock on your heart, but you've got to respond. You haven't yet raised your hand. Then quickly slip it up now. Say, yes, you're talking to me this morning. There's a stirring in my heart. God is speaking to me. I want to come back to Him. I want to surrender back to Him this morning. Pray for me, please. If that's you, quickly slip it up. Now, last time. Last time. Bless you. Bless you. Thank you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. They're in Belito. They're in Peter Maritzburg. Put your hands down. Quickly stand to your feet. I want to pray with you. All of you that raised your hands, those of you that should have raised your hands, I'm going to ask you to pick up your personal belongings and just come meet me in the front so I can pray with you. And remember, your love, your encouragement for those people, come on, we'll help them surrender to Jesus this morning. Come on, come. Come, come, come this morning. Come on. With all my heart and oh, come on, this is your morning. Come on. Come on, God loves you. God loves you. Come on, you raise your hand. Come on, we're waiting for you. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on. They're in Peter Meritzburg. They're in Belito this morning. Oh, come on, let's clap. Let's encourage. Come on, ushers. Come on, we work here. Come on. Anybody else come? Come, 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 come. With all my heart. 
morning come on come come there's a stirring in your heart that's God speaking to you come on it's time it's time it's time it's time let's stop playing church come on come on come on it's time it's time it's time come on move out of that chair this morning let go of that chair in front of you and give yourself to him Let's just stop for a second. Listen, listen, listen. This is not a game. And my staff even teach me, tease me now. They say, Pastor, you always say it's not a game, but it isn't a game. We trust God for 80, 90 healthy years to live. Maybe some of you got the faith for 120 years. We, we, we trust God for that. But we've got no guarantee of tomorrow. No guarantee. Your life is not right with God. Come on, it's time to come. It's time to come. Say to that partner, say to that spouse, say to that husband, say to that wife, say to that... That girlfriend, tell you that boyfriend, come on, it's time, it's time. We're not going to play. If you don't go, I'm going. I'm going to serve you. Come on, there's more, there's more, there's more, there's more. Be an example. Come on, come on, just come, 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 come. Come on, come, come. Come on, don't be scared. Surrender, 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 surrender. Surrender this morning. There's a moment here. Oh, come on. I don't care if you're in the worship team. I don't care if you're a home cell leader. I don't care if you're a pastor. You need to get right with God. You get right with God this morning. Come on. Come on. Things can creep into our lives. Come on. It's time. 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 You know, you know, I'm believing God for something to happen in our church, really, really, really happening. And I was once at a conference, I'm not going to say the pastor's name, but a very well-known pastor was at the same conference, very well-known. He's like 83, 84, 85, maybe by now, I don't know. And um, he was one of the guest preachers at the conference. And a pastor did an altar call. And he was the first person in the front, the first person. He's one of my heroes. And somebody next to me said, gee, that was obviously a wide altar call that pastor so-and-so came and surrendered himself. And I thought, yeah, 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 it's true. It was wide. It was wide. But as I'm standing here this morning, I'm thinking, maybe pastor so-and-so was going through something that nobody else knew about. Maybe pastor so-and-so had lost faith in a certain area that nobody knew about. Maybe pastor so-and-so, something had got in between his relationship and him, his relationship with God and him. And he didn't care that there were thousands and thousands of people at the conference. When God moved, he responded. If you should be here this morning, surrendering to him, Belito, Peter Maritzburg, maybe watching on television. All I ask you in this moment, I want to finish, but come. Come, come. Something happens when we step out of our chair and say, God, I surrender. Just come, quickly come. One of the things about revival is it calls us to a life of separation. Separating ourselves unto God. If you need to be here, come quickly, come. 30 seconds and we're going to pray. I'm not going to push it anymore because I want it to be God talking to you. You know God's talking to you. You know you have to give yourself back to God. Come quickly. Your obedience is what leads you into the blessing. 
When Abram departed out of his family's home, when Abram departed out of his company, when Ab- uh, his, his country, when Abram departed from that he was comfortable with, God blessed him, empowered him to prosper and to succeed. We're so focused on the blessing that we miss. It's about surrender. Come quickly, please, quickly. I don't know who you are, where you are, who, but I know there's still people that have to surrender. Come quickly. 30 seconds, and then I'm going to pray. Then I'm going to pray. With all your heart. It doesn't have to make sense. It doesn't have to make sense. It doesn't have to make sense. With all my heart and all my soul, I live for you. All my heart, Lord, with all my heart and all my soul, I live for you. man by the name of Pascal, I don't know if he was a philosopher, what he was, a psychologist with the honors and a doctorate. I don't know who, what he was, but he said this, and I believe it's true. He said inside of every man, woman, and child is a God-shaped vacuum that only God can fill. A relationship can't fill it. Money can't fill it. Success can't fill it. Drugs, alcohol can't fill it. But I had a God-shaped vacuum in my life. I've been through many battles subsequent to my salvation. But nothing has ever stolen my peace that I have in His presence. I want you all to put your hand on your heart like this. Why my heart? Because the Bible says you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart. You might be standing here today there in Peter Maritzburg, Belito, and you're saying, well, Pastor, I don't even know if I believe in God. That's how I felt the day I got saved. I knew there was somebody out there, but I didn't know him. I've been through all the Christian traditional rituals, but didn't know him. This morning, as you pray from your heart with me, I believe God's going to touch you the same way he touched me. Just pray this simple prayer. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I give myself back to you. I believe that you are the Son of God, that you died for my sins, that you rose from the grave to give me life. And I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart, to forgive me of all my sins. I receive your peace, your forgiveness, your love, and your promise of new life. In Jesus' name, I believe. I believe. Amen. Father, I pray for each person that prayed that prayer here in Durban, Belito, Peter Maritzburg. Watching on Faith TV, those that are watching on Faith or YouTube. I pray that you would guide them, guard them, keep them, and use them for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. We want to pray with you. So if you would just turn for a second to your left, my right, follow those people. They're not going to do anything strange. They're going to just uh, pray with you and love on you and help you in your walk with God. Come on, let's give God a great big hand clap, man. Oh, come on, CRC. They're in other locations. Come on.
Come on, we are going to see many thousands get saved this year. We're going to see revival in our church. We're going to see a great awakening outside of our church. God is going to move like we've never seen before. And we are going to be His instruments in Jesus' mighty, 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 mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Keep clapping until each one is in that nice cool room. Um, and they can be counseled and loved on. Come on, keep clapping. We, we don't lose our passion. Oh, don't look so religious, pastors. Get excited, men, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Well, you may be seated, please, as we turn our attention to the screens for the offering. And I'm going to ask this uh, publicly. Please don't move around during the offer offering for security reasons. For security reasons. We do live in a world that has got crazy things happening. So the doors are locked. You will not be able to slip out now. Doors are locked. And uh, just be blessed with an anointed item as the ushers take up the offering. Good day, CRC family. On behalf of Pastor Glenn and Pastor Allison, our senior pastors, I would like to take this opportunity to share a very powerful principle with you today as we prepare to take up the offering. 2 Corinthians 9 from verse 10, the Bible says, Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed that you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Two key things that we can see from this passage of Scripture. Number one, God gives you seed. And number two, God multiplies the seed as you sow it. I want to take a very brief moment to share a very practical illustration of the power of seed multiplication. You see, a single apple has an average of six seeds. These six seeds can grow six trees. Each tree can produce about 300 apples. Therefore, six trees can produce a total of 1,800 apples. There are six seeds in each of those 1,800 apples. Now you have a total of 10,800 seeds. Those 10,800 seeds can produce 10,800 trees, and 10,800 trees can produce about 300 apples each tree. You now have a total of 3 million 240,000 apples and each of those apples has six seeds. Now you have 19,440,000 seeds. If you continue planting the apple seeds, the figure will continue to multiply exponentially. You see, this apple that I hold in my hand can trace its origin right back to the creation in the Garden of Eden. God created seeds in the garden and gave every seed an assignment and said, go forth and multiply. We are still experiencing the effects of the miracle of seed multiplication today. And the miracle of multiplication has not stopped. You see, every seed, whether it's an apple seed or a financial seed, can multiply when it is sown into good ground. The seeds that we sow into the kingdom of God do not stop multiplying unless you stop sowing. The law of multiplication only stops when the seed stops. That's why it is so important for you and I to continue to keep sowing. Genesis 8 verse 22, the Bible says, While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. What the Bible is essentially saying is that regardless of the time of year or the seasons, regardless of the economic circumstances, Regardless of famines and recessions, floods, riots, external circumstances, 
seed time and harvest shall not cease. Every month, God puts seed in our hands in the form of income. If you eat your seeds, there is absolutely no potential for any harvest and things in your life will remain the same. No increase. The key that unlocks consistent harvest is simply consistent sowing. This example shows us a powerful, powerful revelation. And I want to hear you, leave you with this thought. There is a harvest in every seed and a seed in every harvest. So I want to encourage you today, but I also want to challenge you to rise in the spirit of faith this year, honor the Lord with your tithe every month and activate your harvests, plural, by consistently sowing your seed every single Sunday when you come to church to worship the Lord. Never miss an opportunity to sow because God gives seed to the sower and bread for food and multiplies your seed as you consistently keep sowing it into His kingdom. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the principle of seed time and harvest. And Father, we come today with the spirit of faith. We sow our seed. We honor you with our tithe. And we know, Father, as we sow our seed, our seed will not fail to bring a harvest because according to Malachi chapter 3, our harvest will not fail. So we thank you, Lord, as we honor you today that you will multiply and increase every area of our life, that we can experience supernatural acceleration to build your kingdom for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you give today. Amen.
just stand to our feet, please, before I dismiss you. Firstly, I want to say thank you to the worship team. Before you clap anything, the Children's Church, Ministry of Helps, um, Security, Media Department, Sound Guys, Welcome Teams, who come faithfully and serve every Sunday. You'll see the displays up outside to enroll volunteers. After giving your heart to Christ, the next thing we should do is serve people. And even in this heat, they serve. Every Sunday to make it a great service, great environment. So we thank you, we honor you, we love you. We appreciate all of you, every single one. Those that I've missed out on, thank you. Um, let's keep serving. Then I want to make two quick announcements. Saturday, 25th of February, if you've never been to the Pencil Club in Umschlanga, we are having a business breakfast there for all business people. Um, I want to encourage you, tickets are very limited because they've got a limited uh, amount of people that can come. I'm not telling you who the guest speaker is, but Saturday the 25th of February, 8 a.m., you can get your tickets online or you can get them after the service. And then tomorrow night, there's a meeting for Zones 2, 3, and 4 in the church. It's a critical meeting. So please, I ask you Zones 2, 3, and 4 for every member. So if you can make it tomorrow evening, Zones 2, 3, and 4 at CRC Durban, please. There's some stuff we need to discuss and talk about, so I'm asking you to be here tomorrow night. It's important. We put God's house first, and we'll see what God will do with our lives. So remember, the world is changing constantly. The gospel isn't. So go and preach to others today. God loves you. Don't forget tonight, 6 o'clock with the young people. If you're under 85, you are young, so join us tonight, 6 p.m. God bless you. Bring your world. We love you. And go and register to serve. Amen. Good day, CRC family. On behalf of Pastor
Have you heard about our business breakfast? Join us on Saturday, the 25th of February at 8 a.m. at the Pencil Club in Umtlanga. You can purchase your tickets online at crcdurban.org.za. We really don't want you to become just another number. Let us get you connected. At CRC, our mission is to mend the nets so the catch will be great. That means getting you, our first time visitor, connected. So please don't leave without filling out a form with the friendly team in the foyer. We can't focus on what we don't have. We call those things that be not just as if they were. I'm blessed, I'm highly favored. I have the goodness and mercy of God following me wherever I go. Oh, God is for me, not against me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Subscribe to CRC Durban's YouTube channel to catch up on all of Pastor Glenn's sermons. What are you waiting for? Subscribe right now. Do you want to expand your knowledge on the Word of God? Join CRC's Bible School. Simply go to crcchurch.com and register online today. It's that easy.